Hello everyone and welcome to Monster Hour. I'm Quinn, your Keeper of Monster and Mysteries. Go ahead and have our other players introduce themselves. Kyle, why don't you go ahead? Hello, this is Kyle. I am playing Alvin Hughes, the Monstrous. Tio? Hello, hello! I am playing Constance, the Expert. And Hannah? I am playing JR, the Crooked. Excellent. We're gonna jump right in where we left off with JR. JR, you have just exited the Prospector Pub. Uh, you are heading on your way back to the timeshare where you've been staying, and beneath a, uh, a street lamp, you spotted the body of Earl, the biker who you hustled out of some money at pool. He is now certainly wounded, possibly dead, at the end of the street. What do you do? I'd like to go up and see what's going on with him. I would like to see what kind of injury we're talking about here. You head down the street and approach this body that's laying underneath the street lamp. There is a small pool of blood beneath the body. You can see that it's coming from a wound on his neck. It's a pretty open wound. It looks like a big piece of flesh was just sort of torn away. Gross. Yes. It's unpleasant (laughs) to look at. Oh, boy. So just to kind of give everyone a Uh, an idea of what's going on in my head right now, part of me just wants to run away because, (laughs) you know, JR doesn't like to get her hands dirty. And the other part of me realizes that if I were to run away and somebody were to come out here after witnessing what my interaction with Earl, uh, that there (laughs) could possibly be suspicion. You might go to jail, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could go to jail. You're in the right place. (laughs) You have the capability and the motive. I have teeth. That's very true. I could have Your alibi is very bad. (laughs) It is. It really is. (laughs) All right. Where are you at the time of the murder? Oh, there. (laughs) Okay. So uh, what I think I'm going to do, I guess I'm going to go back into the prospector and uh, alert Officer Stoney to the fact that there's a dead body outside. Okay, you head back into the prospector. It's been maybe 30 seconds, so Chief Stoney kind of looks up when you enter and cocks his head to the side and gives you a somewhat quizzical look. Well, that was a short trip back home. (laughs) Yeah, there's a dead body outside, and I kind of thought you wanted to know about that. At least I think he's dead. I don't know. I didn't get too close. You saw a dead body? Yes. (laughs) Oh no, it's gonna be gone when we leave, isn't it? Oh no. Also, okay. You're also bearing the lead here about who it is, but. Oh. Alright, well. Sorry, uh, it's Earl, the dude who hit me with a pool cue. So, Earl is dead outside? Yes. I assume he's still out there. Chief Stoney finishes off the remainder of his pint of beer, and Jasper sort of looks at him and nods, and Chief Stoney stands up, and once again, you're struck by the sort of impressive size that Chief Stoney is, standing about, you know, six and a half feet tall. Well, Jasper, put it on my tab. I'll, I might be back. We'll see. All right, let's go, JR. All right, so we go outside. Uh, it's you gone, exit back out it? into it's the darkness. The body's gone, isn't it? No, it's not. Ha! The body of Earl <laughs> is uh, still there, pointing. just a ways down the street. Stoney looks at the body and looks at you real quick, gives a little tilt of his head, motions for you to follow him, and he heads over to the body. I'm following. So, let me get this straight. You, uh, you just came out here, and, uh, you found him like this? Yep. <laughs> He didn't try to finish the fight. You didn't try to fit. Nobody tried to finish this fight that you had going on. I was out here for maybe a minute. Do I look like I've been in a fight? Just, uh, just asking some questions here. You know, this is, uh, it's a little fishy. Even you got to admit. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I could have just left. That would have looked really suspicious, wouldn't it have? That's certainly true. Ah, <sighs> well, gotta have to call this in. Can you, uh, I'm gonna have to ask you to stay here. You're, um, well, I guess you're the only witness. And he takes a few steps away and pulls out his cell phone. Shit. Like, how distracted is he in this conversation? I mean, he's, he's about five or ten feet away. He's definitely sort of keeping an eye on things. 
I'm trying. I'm looking at my moves. There's not a like sneak away move, but I don't really want to stick around. If you want to try to sneak away, you can do that. I think I'll have you act under pressure to sort of dart away as Stony is on the phone with dispatch. All right, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna try to sneak away. First, first <laughs> dice roll of the evening. Let's see how this goes. It sounded great. Uh, that's an that's an eight. <laughs> so, hey. all right. On a seven to nine, I have to give you a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. I think it's going to be a worse outcome, which is that you can get far enough away where it would be difficult for Chief Stony to stop you, but he will know that you're trying to get away. I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think Stony finally connects <laughs> Sorry, with <bye>. dispatch. <laughs> And he starts, uh, he starts talking to an officer. And for a moment, he takes his, his eye off the ball. For a moment, he looks away from this crime scene, and you bolt. Would you run in the direction just straight to your timeshare, or would you try to sort of run in a, oh, no, a serpentine baby. fashion? To... <laughs> zigging, zigging and zagging. So you, uh, you get about 50 feet away, maybe more, before he turns and notices you and <laughs> shouts, Hey, what are you doing? Stop! Get back here! See you later, Officer Stoney! Keep in touch! <laughs> For a second, I thought you were going to say, keep it tight. <laughs> Chief Stoney... We're not quite that I don't know if he always keeps yet. it tight or if he never keeps it oh, tight. Oh, no, he always keeps it tight. <laughs> he always. <laughs> JR, you escape. After a few blocks, you're pretty sure that Chief Stoney isn't following you, but you you keep running just to be sure. And in your sort of roundabout fashion, you arrive at the timeshare that you have been squatting in. And you get pretty close before you realize something is amiss. In one of the front windows, you can see a dim light coming from inside. Looks like some sort of lamp is on. And you know for a fact that you turned all the lights off before you left. Alvin, you are still in the moonscape with Leon. The two mm -hmm. of you were investigating this pile of dead livestock and were interrupted by uh, someone standing atop the valley with a very bright flashlight shining down on you. Mm -hmm. And they told you that you were not supposed to be here, and you need to come up to meet them right away. I'm going to make a slow move of it, and that I'm coming up, but I'm kind of like stammering out excuses as I as I go, where it's like, oh, yeah, um, yes, officer, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, we know, but, you know, kids kind of come out. We were out here to take a sunset sunset pictures because it's you know it's so nice out at the sunset we just noticed this i guess we got lost track of time because we were investigating i mean can do you see all that all those cows down there leon nudges you at the very beginning of your ascent up uh, yeah. and says hey don't do don't say anything that anything you say can be used against you in a court of law man <laughs> uh <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah. yeah come on man oh G alvin oh Shit. boy and the two of you climb up um, and reach the top. And when you do, this figure that is standing atop there turns off the mag light. And you can see, in sort of the, the regular moonlight, a uh, police officer. It's a, a woman about average height. She has her raven hair pulled back into a tight bun. She's wearing a police officer's uniform. You can see the badge on the uniform says Detective Galvan. And she sort of looks at the pair of you and says, Well... What do the two of you have to say for yourself? Do I note, as a student in town, anything about this person, Detective Galvan? Mm, I don't think so. Possibly not, because I don't know if the if the school has like campus police that I would know a little more than the. Like, I don't town think the police. the school has its own police. They probably have. There are certain officers that work the beat that has the university in it, mm -hmm. and she is not one of them. Um, so you do not know her. Yeah. I I just kind of look down at my shoes. I kind of shuffle around a little bit and be like, I'm, I'm sorry. And you're sorry for what exactly? Um, uh, I'm sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, what about, what about you? And Leon sort of straightens up and like sticks his chin out and says, I don't know what you're talking about. Did she arrive in a, a car here or she, is that kind of further back? Cause we're out in the. Yeah. You're, uh, um, you're a little bit 
of a ways from the parking lot. Right in the moonscape. Okay. It's likely she arrived in a car, but you you mm-hmm. wouldn't know. Alvin will, will kind of look up and actually blurt out. It's like, what are you doing out here? One of the park rangers called in a car parked here after hours, and they requested a uh, police officer come and see who is uh, trespassing. That's why I'm here. I'm, I'm still a uh, little unclear why the two of you are here. I, I, Alvin, I kind of make like a couple little mouth movements, but I, then I like glance over at Leon. Leon says, you know, we were just here taking a few photos. We lost track of time, as my good friend said, and we are on our way right now. I'm not not furiously be like, we're sorry to have caused a bother. And um, what on earth is down there exactly? And she um, points her bright flashlight at the pile of cattle. I'll start talking. Oh, we found that's a, 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 a pile of, of cattle. Uh, oh. And I look at Leon again. I remember what he told me. <laughs> Leon nods at you. He's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we, like I said, we were out here taking pictures and we found, we found it. So you just found these dead cattle like this? Yeah. I mean, I, we don't know what, what happened. It could have been a, a cougar or it could have been, I mean, it's a pretty sharp cliff here. Maybe they all lost footing and fell down the valley. <laughs> They're not they lemmings. <laughs> they all tripped. <laughs> They're all cl- klutz cows. <laughs> She takes a step closer to the ledge and sort of peers down and then looks back at the two of you and says, well, it appears that the two of you found the Silverton Ranch's missing cattle. I don't think they're going to be too happy about the state of things, but at least we can put that case to rest. The whole ranch? Well, no, not the whole ranch, but several of their cattle were missing. Oh, okay. Well, kind of crack knuckles. Um, If that's all, detective... We'll get that car out of the way, you know, so the rangers are happy, and we'll just, you know, take care of that for you. That would be good. I think I'm going to have to follow the two of you out, just given how strange you're behaving. (laughs) (laughs) Strange. (laughs) Strange. (laughs) I mean, surely you need to have someone come take a look at the cows, right? Yeah, I'll notify the ranger. That'll be okay. But I don't really trust the two of you... I don't want to arrest you, but I don't really trust the two of you not to come back here. So we're going to drive back to town together. Uh, I just kind of look at Leon and be like, that's, yeah. Leon nods. Yeah, that, that's okay. That does seem perfectly amenable, officer. It'll never happen again. It crossed my heart. So the two of you follow Detective Galvan out of the moonscape. It's a bit of a rough go at this point because although mm. the, the moon and the stars are relatively bright, There's still a lot of uneven terrain here, and it does take you a little bit to reach the exit. When you do, you see your your car there, and you also Mm -hmm. see a firmament police vehicle. And uh, Detective Galvan walks the two of you to your car and says, I will follow you back to Riverside Park, and then we'll be on our way. Before we go, I am going to need your names. We're not filing an official report, but I do have to know. I mean, of course. I give a quick look at Leon, kind of hoping that he'll jump in and go first. <laughs> Leon leans forward and says, yeah, I'm uh, I'm Trey Brownstone. <clears throat> I start to sweat a little bit and I go, uh, I'm uh, uh, Alfred Henry. <laughs> Alfred Henry Thatcher. Alfred Henry Thatcher. Sorry. She eyes the two of you, but doesn't say anything. And she gets into her car and turns it on and waits for you to pull out. Right before I get into our car, I... I give her a salute uh, and then and then duck in. She looks at you quizzically and then motions for you all to go ahead. And Leon shuts the door and looks at you and says, hey, good job. I'm kind of breathing heavily. Does that happen to you often? Well, I mean, I'm a reporter. Jeez. But I'm, you, Alvin, I know you're I know you're not a good liar and I'm really proud of you. Like <laughs> you took a big step today. Let's let's just go, okay? I'm so glad you committed a crime. Corrupting you. Crime is fun. I mean, Alvin, you know, Leon has always been a troublemaker, a bit of a oh, rabble yeah. rouser. Oh, yeah. Which, while fun, does occasionally lead to some uncomfortable and challenging mm-hmm. situations, especially with authority. Yeah, campus pranks are one thing. Police interactions out in the wilderness is something else. Leon more or less seems to treat them as the same thing, but... um, Yeah, I figured. (laughs) uh, Leon starts the car and starts driving out of the moonscape, and you see Officer Galvan pull in behind you. 
mm-hmm. and you make your way back into town. You know, it's uh, it's not a long drive. I think I said it was about 15 or 20 minutes from mm-hmm. sort of the, the very outside boundary of this uh, large park back into downtown. And uh, as you get pretty close, you notice that behind you, these lights start to flash and you realize that Detective Galvan has turned on her siren as the sound sort of blares on. Mm-hmm. And in a flash, her car pulls up alongside you and then passes you and mm-hmm. starts zooming towards downtown. I guess that I kind of exchange looks with Leon. Leon looks at you and just a big smile starts creeping over his face. <laughs> and he hits the gas. Constance, you have just dropped your parents off after your somewhat ill-fated dinner. I mean, it's about (laughs) average, let's be real. The spiritual channeling of your late grandmother notwithstanding. Pretty average. Right, right. (laughs) That was new. That was new, yes. <laughs> you have walked your parents to the Skyway Gondola, which connects Riverside Park, which is in downtown firmament, to Olympic Heights, which is across the Elkhorn River and at the base of Cathedral Peak. It is the fastest way to travel between uh, Olympic Heights and the rest of firmament, and so it's used by most of those residents. Your parents have bid you farewell and are boarding one of the aerial trams, one of the cars, and they sort of lift off into the night and wave goodbye as they disappear into the darkness. You are, uh, I imagine, now heading back to your loft. Yes. And I, I, I immediately pull out my little handy pocket tums and take two of them because this whole <laughs> ordeal has caused me some serious acid reflex. So you are heading back. It's not a long walk from your your loft, which is sort of between old downtown firmament and the sort of bohemian industrial area. And uh, it is about halfway through that walk that you come upon an interesting sight. You are traveling down um, one of the minor arterials. There's a few few small shops. uh, And at this point in the evening, all of the windows are dark. The stores are closed. This section of town has gone to sleep. As you approach an intersection that you're getting ready to turn on, you see a figure moving quite quickly down this street. At first, it's difficult to see who or what they are, but they cross under one of the streetlights, and you can see that they are slender. They are wearing faded jeans and a Firmament College hoodie. And you catch from the reflection of the streetlight the gleam of a pair of aviators. It's the person and you from recognize the tour. That is the person from the tour. Sorry, Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> I hear a voice in the distance. I just get really excited. You see, it is the person from uh, your tour, this strange figure who showed a peculiar interest in you and then disappeared. They do not appear to be, from their posture, moving at a rapid pace. They they look like they should just be walking, but they are moving very quickly. And they are sort of darting in and out of shadows. You were actually lucky to catch them in the streetlight at all. It appears that they're trying to avoid any source of light as they move down this street. And as you reach the intersection, and they have sort of passed and are going the opposite way... You notice a little ways further down, the opposite direction, there are the flashing red and blue lights of a police vehicle. I assume I have my cell phone on me. I pull it out and I try to snap a photo of them. I think you're gonna have to um you're gonna have to pursue them. They are oh, okay. they've already passed you at a, a decent clip, and given how dark it is, I th- I think if you're gonna get any sort of photo that is useful in any way, you're gonna need to to go after them. Okay, and how close am I to the police lights? Probably about 10 blocks. Okay, instead, I'm going to just start. I've, I've had a rough day. I'm angry, and I'm confused, and 
this person, I think I have a righteous reason to be mad at in general because they <laughs> stiffed me on a tour. And then on top of that, now they might be a criminal because I'm just going to go ahead and put those pieces together. I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. They're being real creepy in the middle of the night. I'm going to start screaming, they're over here. They're over here and run towards the lights of the police. But I'm not going to pursue him because uh, it's dark and I'm alone. So I'm going to run towards the lights, but yelling to try to get the attention of the police and hopefully maybe be able to also get my tour guide payment back. This stranger at your uh, sudden shouting turns to look straight at you and lets out a serpentine hiss Uh-oh. and then bolts into the darkness. I'm definitely running as fast as humanly possible towards the police. I also am now screaming. Just, I'm no longer saying words. I am screaming and and running. It doesn't take you very long to cover this distance. You reach the source of these lights, and you can see there is a, a dead body, um, or at least a very wounded body, laying on the side of the street. There is a police officer standing over the body, talking to a large man who you recognize, uh, I think you would know Chief Stoney, who you recognize as Chief Stoney. They're sort of conferring, and when you sort of approach screaming, they both uh, look up, and the officer sort of walks over to you and says, calm down, what is it, what happened? Ah, he's getting away, he's going, he's coming from the, whew. Who's getting oh. away? What? Did you see who did this? I don't know. Creepy, creepy dude hiding, definitely trying to hide, running away from you guys. Uh, he stiffed me at the uh, at the visitor center this morning. Aviators. He was just moving very fast and was clearly running away from something. And I'm going to assume it's you guys. I would start running. I would, I would get after him. Also, uh, it was $15 that he stole from me this morning. You said they were wearing aviators. Is there anything else that you can tell me about what their yes. appearance was like? Yes. Um, he was wearing a, a sweater, a, a, a university sweater, but he's definitely not. I mean, he's not standard university age. Uh, like I said, he was on my tour this morning. I, I haven't seen him before. He he seemed really angry that I was drawing attention to him. He, he was definitely running away from you guys. He's running away now, like right now. <laughs> Hmm. Okay. Well, we have other officers en route. Uh, unfortunately, we have a perimeter here that I- He's I, outside of that perimeter. I'm the only on-duty officer here, so I'm going to have to remain here, but we should have other officers arriving shortly, and they can investigate this, um, you said, uh, a 20-year-old male, aviators, and a, a firmament college hoodie? Uh, yeah, I don't I don't exactly know how old he was. Real creepy. Slender. He is very skinny. He's very skinny. Hmm. Well, I, I appreciate Super your assistance, creepy. and- uh, as she's saying this, you hear these screeching tire wheels and a slightly beat up, slightly out of date red sedan whips around the corner and at least one, possibly two young men jump out of this vehicle. Hey everyone, it's Quinn, your keeper and narrator. Welcome to the intermission. Can I interest you in some buttered popcorn? Thanks so much for tuning in to the second episode of Monster Hour. We're really starting to get into the thick of the mystery, and we are so excited to have you with us on this journey. If you're enjoying the show, I hope you'll consider leaving us a rating and review, tweeting about us at Monster Hour Pod, or recommending the show to a friend. It really does help other folks find the podcast, and let's be honest. Doesn't everyone need a little more mystery in their life? After all, monotony is the real monster. That's all I got for you this week, folks. Enjoy the rest of the show. JR. You have just arrived back at your timeshare, where you realize that someone or something has been in there and left at least one of the lights on since you left and had your rather harrowing experience at the Prospector. What do you do? Is this timeshare, this is like a like a house, or is it like an apartment complex? You tell me. What do you think? Um, I think it's like a little bungalow kind of situation. It's a house. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I would like to go around back. And 
sneak in to a place that I live, but I'm also not supposed to be, so it's like a double layer of sneakity sneaking. That's that's my, my thought, is I'm going to go around back and break into my own place. Yeah. You uh, you go around back. I think there's a nice little uh, little porch. There's a little veranda back there. And as you round the corner, you see two people sitting on uh, patio chairs out there. They're a young couple, and uh, they both have glasses of wine, and they're sort of uh, leaning into one another and, and canoodling a little bit. And you can overhear the guy say, Oh, babe, I'm so glad we finally made it here. I'm so excited for our romantic getaway. I just <laughs> oh, love you so much. Shit. I'm so excited that your mom has this timeshare and that we could use it. Uh-oh. I just, babe, I love you so much. She says, oh, honey, I love you too. This, this is going to be such a great vacation. And they clink their wine glasses together. And uh, you come to the realization that uh, the timeshare that you have been squatting in for the past couple weeks is no longer unoccupied. You also are aware that all of your possessions are still in there. Yeah. Whatever stash you have from your most recent heist, any of your sort of false identities, and a particular key that you're fond of are all still inside this house. What do you do? Great. Fucking great. How how drunk are these young lovebirds? They are tipsy. Okay. Mildly inhibited, but they would notice something wildly out of place. Well, I'm going to go back around to the front and go in and try to get as much of my stuff as I can before they notice. You head back around front. I think what this is going to be is an act under pressure to see how well you are able to stealthily gather your supplies here. All right. Uh, That's a nine. Okay. Hey. Woo, woo. On a seven to nine, it is a worse outcome, a hard choice, or a price to pay. Let's see. Um, I think it's gonna be. I'll give you. I'll give you a choice here. Okay. You can get all of your stuff, but you're gonna make enough noise that these people notice, or you can get some of your stuff and escape uninhibited. Oh, I want all my stuff. I don't give a shit if these two <laughs> dumb teenagers notice me. I want my stuff. I don't think they're teenagers. They're probably in their early 20s. <laughs> <laughs> they're teens to JR. So you enter. Where have you hidden your belongings in this this bungalow? So like any good criminal, JR keeps most of her belongings like in basically like a go bag. So I think the only thing that she has to get down, which I'm guessing is what's going to attract attention, is she has hung up her suits. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> So I gotta get out the fucking garment bag, and I put the suits in the garment bag, gotta zip the garment bag back up, they're gonna get all wrinkled, I'm gonna have to steam them, it's gonna be a whole thing. But everything else is probably, I wanna say in like, maybe two large duffel bags, and then the garment bag with the suits. (laughs) You collect everything. You're able to get the garment bag, you're able to get the suit, but ultimately that's not what gives you away. What gives you away is that you cannot find your skeleton key anywhere. Shit. You get back down to the main floor, and I think it's a sliding glass door out to this veranda, uh, and these two young lovebirds have their backs to you, and you see on a small table in between them your skeleton key. We haven't talked a lot about your skeleton key, but I've envisioned this as a pretty nice-looking, very strangely shaped antique key. Does that sound about right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The two of them have it, and actually as you're watching, you see this woman pick it up and sort of twirl it around in her hand, and then set it down. Okay, so she sets it down, but they're like out on the- They're out on the veranda. Oh, Christ. I mean, I'm not leaving that behind. That was like the one good thing. That and the stack of cash are the one good thing that came out of the last job. Yeah, this Uh... um, this is your price to pay. There's no way that you can get this key without them noticing you. Okay, here's how this is going to go down. I'm just going to run, grab that key, and then run in the other 
I don't think, like, I'm not going to be able to sneak up on these people with my duffel bags and my garment bag, but I got speed on my side. We all saw how I ran away from Officer Stoney. And arguably, uh, they're not expecting a woman carrying a bunch of duffel bags and garment bags to run up and steal a key they found at their so-and-so relative's place. Yeah, do you have any, like, pocket sand you could throw at them or something? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh Bird man seed. i should create a distract oh oh no no there's probably not enough time for me to like set a fire somewhere else and create a distraction <laughs> yeah i like i gotta just go <laughs> what's that over there yoink <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh yeah i think i'm just gonna run up grab it and run away <laughs> okay it's very true to character as we've established it that is. you run, just run you run from in their face <laughs> <laughs> Jair has a bit of the madcap in her. Yes, I've noticed. (laughs) (laughs) So here's how I think this goes down. You, I mean, you obviously have the element of surprise here. So you can run and grab this key without incident. The problem is going to be getting away while carrying several duffel bags and suits that are wrapped up and a skeleton key. (laughs) It's just two duffel bags. Yes. You are uh, moderately burdened. <laughs> and when you when you grab this key, this couple they sort of like jump up and and exclaim loudly like, "Hey, what are you what are you doing here? What what's going on? Hey, come back. That's our key." No, it's not. And uh, the young what man the starts chasing after you. Oh, oh shit. And okay. this is where I am going to have you roll. I think it's actually just going to be another act under pressure. I know we're using it a lot, but until y'all investigate a body, I think this it's going to be a thing. So uh, go ahead and roll act under right. pressure to escape. Oh, boy, that's a five. Oh, no. Yowza. Mark that experience. Yep. So mark experience. Ah. On a fail, Not I get to make suits. a hard move, which is this, uh, this young man, inebriated though he is, catches you and tackles you. Shit. <laughs> the key sort of flies out uh, and lands about five feet away. And after he tackles you, the young man stands up and says, hey, what what are you doing here? Why did you take our key? Fuck, I have a negative one tough. You have negative one tough, but you've been in more fights than anyone else so far. (laughs) But has JR really been in more fights? I feel like JR's style of criminality is mostly avoiding fights. Well, today. Oh, in the adventure. The three characters, yeah. True, true. You have been in one more fight than anyone else, which is zero. (laughs) Unless you count Constance and her mother. That's emotional warfare. Oh, boy. That's a battle. That's tactical maneuver. That cuts a lot deeper than than a fist fight. Oh, I could manipulate him. All right. Okay. So here's how this is going to go. I'm going to try and manipulate this kid using my grifter because I'm allowed to ask you what will convince this person to do what I want, which is to let me go. I think in order for them to let you go, which is what you want, they think that key belongs to the timeshare, not to you. So you need to give them a extremely good narrative explanation for why you broke into their timeshare and stole their key. Okay. That is the way they will let you go without incident. All right. Um, you steal it later. <laughs> here is what I here's what I'm going to tell them. I was the previous person in the timeshare, and I thought I had an extra day. Obviously, I didn't. I was trying to get out of there without you noticing that key is actually an antique family heirloom. That's the reason I was here in firmament. Was uh, it's my grandmother's funeral. She uh, she left me like, <laughs> key. Okay. And now I'm going to roll and manipulate, roll manipulate someone. someone. Let's see Definitely. if this works. That's a 11. Whoa, okay. Whoa. They do it for the reason that you said. I think the guy sort of stands up. He's, he's looking at you and he looks, you know, he's a little mad. And you start professing this, um, this tall tale. And our uh, somewhat inebriated young man looks pretty abashed. And he takes sort of a step back and um, he kind of looks down at his toes. Oh. I feel terrible. I'm so sorry. It seemed weird that this key would be here anyway. It just seemed like it was a nice antique. But yeah, I mean, you can, I guess, go ahead. I'm really sorry I tackled you. No, no, I should have, I should have knocked, but I was, I was trying to just get in and out because it was obvious you and your lady friend over there are enjoying a special weekend. Uh, I'm so sorry. 
let's just shake on it and I'll get out of your hair. This young man um, <laughs> puts out his uh, his hand and, and shakes yours and says, uh, sorry and, um, you know, take take care. Thanks, man. I, I got my key back now, right? You gave me back yes. my key? Okay. Yeah. Uh, the key's still on the ground, but you can go pick it up. He starts heading back towards the patio where his, his partner is sort of sitting. Actually, I think she's standing up now and looking quizzically at this this strange scene in which <laughs> uh, he tackled you, looked very sheepish, and then is now walking back. <laughs> tackled you, shook your hand. <laughs> so you have recovered your uh, your belongings. But the timeshare that you have been staying at for the past three weeks, your home base and firmament is occupied. So you, as you're walking away, are faced with the question, what now? Alvin, you are in the car with Leon. You are in hot pursuit of this police car. It gets out ahead of you a little bit because it has the full force of the loud siren and flashing lights and is able to run some lights that you are not able to. But after a few minutes, you round a sharp corner and you see it parked up ahead and Leon slams on the brakes and it, it sort of uh, catches you off guard and you almost knock your head on the dashboard. But you have arrived at this scene and Detective Galvan is out of her vehicle. She's talking to... Uh, a young woman and a uh, older man who's a pretty large man, and they're both standing next to a unmoving body with a pool of blood beneath a street lamp. I expect we kind of drew attention by getting so close and screeching to a halt and hopping. A significant out of the car. amount of attention, yes. Yeah. All three of these people are now staring at you, <laughs> and Leon sort of hops out of the car. And he has one of his cameras, and he is, he's taking pictures of this somewhat salacious, gruesome scene. I kind of get out of the car, and I wave over to them and be like, Oh, Detective Galvan, you're here too! <laughs> she has a um, displeased look on her face. <laughs> and she very quickly looks back at this uh, young woman and large man who are next to her and starts striding towards the two of you. Um, and as she does so, Leon sort of um, starts sort of flanking out to the side, almost in like a, uh-huh. like a tactical sense, like he's getting away from you right. and trying to split the difference. Um, and he's still sort of taking mm-hmm. pictures of this camera. As she gets closer, I'll, I'll ask, I'll be like, oh, did a, did a park ranger call you about our car again? What are you doing here? Did you follow me here? Oh, we just came back into town. Check it out. What's going on? I left you 10 miles back. There's... I... You have to tell me right now what you're doing here. Well, there's nothing wrong with being here, is there? As the two of you are having this conversation, the large man who we collectively all know as Chief Stoney, who I'm going to refer to as Chief Stoney from now on because it's getting tiresome. Who is this large, handsome, middle-aged man? With kind eyes and broad shoulders and a winning (laughs) smile. Jar's love interest looks at Constance. (laughs) (laughs) Chief Stoney looks at at you, Constance, and says, all right, now, can somebody just behave normally? Can you just stay here? And he starts taking long strides towards Alvin. I've done nothing wrong! I'm still feeling a little attacked from my dinner, so I felt like he was lumping me in with whoever the- Oh, sure, you don't have the context of his- (laughs) Of Chief Stoney's very strange and unfortunate evening. Yeah, yeah so true. I'm just like, Everyone I, made fun I did of his nothing name. wrong. He was just trying to have a beer after work. Everyone made fun of his name. Somebody got murdered outside his favorite bar. <laughs> now all these strange hooligan kids are crashing his crime scene. Stoney's having a bad day. Look, you know, we all come with our baggage to our day, and that's just how it is, you know? So yeah. I'm going to open this up a little bit at this point, because we we're, we're off the rails a little bit now. <laughs> so we have <laughs> we did it we did it all yay it only took episode two <laughs> I mean we're off the rails in the sense of there are now two main characters who are in the same scene and I'm I'm gonna cede yep. more of the narrative control over to you all now so we have the body in the street Detective Galvan is currently semi-interrogating Alvin while Chief Stoney is advancing on Leon who 
is um, kind of in a, a, a skirmish mode, um, taking pictures of this scene <laughs> and, and sort of flanking away from the police officers. Constance, Alvin, what do the two of you do? Is that Alvin? Uh, oh, okay. Has nobody gone to check up on the creepy dude that was running away from the crime scene? You're wasting your time talking to Alvin. Alvin is like this nice, very, very shy and sometimes really awkward dude that is around campus. I don't see anyone following the creepy dude that straight up hissed at me. Art girl? <laughs> Leon, it's art girl. What are you doing here? Leon's like, who's art girl? Oh. She does all the kind of weird art. You'd say that like it's, the visitor center. It's just ahead of its time. That's what weird means. Alvin, uh, hi. Yeah, Constance, we've been through this a million Constance, times. that's right. You've taken my tour. You're obsessed with my father's poetry. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. We don't need to get into that right now. <laughs> what are you doing here? I am a reporter tonight. Wait, what? the two of you are reporters? Mm-hmm. And I say that kind of kind of loudly now that now that like Galvan is getting closer to us. Yes, we're both we're both reporters for the Jackalope. This is, I mean, clearly of interest to the town, and so we are we are here capturing photographs. Are you really writing a story? You really didn't see the Slender Man? No, I didn't see. I mean, we saw some stuff tonight, but I didn't see any of that. Some stuff tonight. Why? Why are you here? Uh, we were. I mean, we were out at the Moonscape. We were taking photos, and then. We did follow Detective Galvan. That was a ruse. Yeah, got that. Why are you here? I was just trying to go home, and then I ran into the... (sighs) There's just like this like creepy, slender dude with aviators. I don't know. He was running away from the cop from this crime scene. Like, nobody here is taking this seriously. Like, they they think I'm just rattling off because the same dude showed up at my job today, and then all of a sudden I'm walking home, and... He is skulking by at like what seemed like a weird superhuman gliding pace. He did like a snake hiss at me. I, I just feel like nobody here is taking me seriously. And maybe if they think I'm going to say something to a reporter, like maybe they'll take this more seriously. I was kind of hoping you were really writing a story. That's super weird. We saw a bunch of dead cows. Oh. Which is, I guess... Maybe less weird. Um, okay. Uh, I'm not sure how to take that. Cows do die. Um, yeah. As the two of you are having this conversation, uh, Chief Stoney and Detective Galvan have sort of cornered Leon, who shouts at the two of you, guys, uh, a little, maybe a little help here? I pull out my phone and start videotaping. <laughs> this is a public sidewalk. I kind of want you to roll to manipulate someone. Because I think you're you're trying to get the officers to back off, and the reason that you're giving them is uh, you're filming them. That sounds like a manipulate someone to me, actually. Roll those dice. That sounds like a plan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, oh, boy, howdy, that's a three. Okay. Experience. Uh, mark experience, <laughs> and I get to take a hard <laughs> move, <laughs> which is... Detective Galvan grabs Leon's camera and sort of takes it and takes a few steps back and says, you know, I didn't want to have to do this. I was willing to let you two go off scot-free, but at this point, what you have on here is evidence in an ongoing criminal investigation, and I'm going to have to confiscate it. What do you have to confiscate? You know who did this. I want to, I'm pushing forward now to get a look at the body, which I have up until now been too squirmish to really do yeah we're an episode and a half into monster of the week and no one's investigated the body (laughs) (laughs) i am investigating i am now going to investigate a mystery (laughs) yay (laughs) the dude creeped me out he saw me beckoning the police over i don't know who this dude is or what he's capable of i i'm going to go check out the body i want to know what's going on the police officers, while they have confiscated Leon's camera, are still distracted, and you have uh, not a lot of time, but you do have a moment to sort of investigate this this body, which is uh, lying in the uh, side of the road. You obviously did not have the interaction with Earl, but you see um, a relatively large man who's in faded jeans and a black leather jacket. He's got a very bushy beard. There's a few stains on his clothing, um, and obviously, as a freebie, there's a large wound on his neck, which there's a pool of blood underneath. With that, go ahead and roll to investigate a mystery. All right. 
That is going to be an 11. On a 10 plus hold two, you can spend those hold to ask uh, one of the following questions. What happened here? What sort of creature is it? What can it do? What can hurt it? Where did it go? What was it going to do? Or what is being concealed here? And I have I have hold two so I can ask two questions? Yes, and I will, um, I'll remind you that the answers to the questions are specific to the context in which you're asking them. So you'll only get information that you could get from this crime scene. Sure. I'm going to ask what sort of creature is it? I actually don't know if what I'm asking is what happened here or what sort of creature is it. What are you trying to learn? I'm trying to learn from the state of the body, like how this person died, which would tell me about what did it, right? And then the other thing I want to ask is what is being concealed here? Yeah. So I think what happened here is actually a better question for the the first one. Let's do that first, and then you can decide if you want to do what sort of creature is it or what is being concealed here. Sure. So what happened here? You take a look at this scene. You glean a couple of things. The first is that uh, as you're approaching, you realize that there is a motorbike that is off in an alleyway, and there's a few skid marks. And you realize that what likely happened is that this person, who we know as Earl, was likely on their bike and was tackled off of it, and that bike went skittering into an alleyway. And then in terms of what happened after that, there's not a lot of evidence on the body, but what you do see is that there is this chunk of flesh missing from the neck, and it looks like it was torn away in a serrated fashion. Constance touches her own neck and kind of shivers a little bit, takes another Tums, um, (laughs) and takes the opportunity of how freaking weird Alvin and his buddy are being to investigate a little further and I'm going to use what is being concealed here to see if like rummaging through the pockets or any of that. There's nothing in his pockets. Literally nothing because JR took all his money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did. Uh, There's nothing of note. What I'm going to give you for what is being concealed here is this is a large wound, like a significant Mm -hmm. wound and there's not a lot of blood left there's not a lot of blood on the ground and there doesn't appear to be any blood left in the body nothing is coming out from this wound alvin uh what are you doing leon has just had his camera confiscated by detective galvan and chief stoney and detective galvan are now uh they have trained their attention on the other two troublemakers in this this scene which is uh, you and Constance. Constance is currently has has turned and walked over to this body. Uh, what are you doing? While they're confiscating Leon's camera and Constance is kind of walking over to the body, I'd like to kind of follow her a little bit and try to take a sneaky no-flash picture of the body, and then I'd probably want to hide this camera. Okay. My question for you is, this is definitely a role. Um, this is a move. Are you yeah. trying to learn yeah. information or are you trying to just get a quick picture and then conceal this camera? What is your primary objective? Primarily right now, trying to get a quick picture and conceal the camera because I don't think I have time to get a good look or learn anything from it right now. This is definitely going to be acting under pressure then. To quickly get over there, snap a picture, and then find a uh, location to hide this camera before it is confiscated by the officers. Yeah, I expect the camera's probably not the nice one. So if I can't see nearby any sort of good bush or anything, I might just give it a big chuck. Okay. Like into the alley or over the bar. It's digital. The card will be fine. I love the visual of Alvin just chucking this camera. (laughs) Sorry, Leon. So I would love for that to be what happens. That's definitely what happens, yeah. Uh, So go ahead and roll to action or Picture taken and I just huck it in the nearest alleyway. (laughs) Okay. This is cool, right? Act under pressure Are is cool. Are you actually asking? Okay. I mean, it's oh. objectively a cool thing. Oh, yeah. This is very cool, but it's also a cool <laughs> ability. It's a cool skill. We'll see how cool it is. Oh. Well, I'm going to mark experience. Oh, no. Uh, what did you get? Three. I was <laughs> going to see if Constance wanted to help out, but we're not no. We're not nearly in, in that territory, so... Uh, yeah, Mark experience. <laughs> Sorry, Leon. I think you get the picture and you throw the camera and mm-hmm. I think it like it hits the roof and it just strikes at a weird angle and it just shatters. Aww. And you actually see the memory card like disappear down a storm drain. <laughs> 
It's like there's a it goes slow mo and the camera zooms in real close on the little memory card, it pops out and cracks in two. Yeah, it's it's comically unfortunate. <laughs> so you have not succeeded in in capturing any photographic evidence of this body. Kind of like scratch scratch the back of my head and go like, Ugh. Constance whips her head around like what? I shrug. <laughs> I thought I had a plan. Chief Stoney walks up to the two of you says, "All right." That's that. This is enough. You got to leave right now or you're under arrest. Yeah, I just got to put my two big mitts in the air and be like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Constance grabs your hand and is like, did you get a look? <laughs> just shake my head. Uh-uh. <laughs> Point to the broken, shattered memory card and but camera. Did, but did you get a look with your eyes? Barely. Okay. You're coming back to my studio. We're going to paint what we saw. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Art therapy. Yeah, You got a good look? (laughs) I have some images in my mind, but I could use all the help I could get. And frankly, I would love an escort home. Me too. I'll kind of look over to Leon. Is he in big trouble? (laughs) (laughs) Leon is is talking to uh, Detective Galvan, and he appears to be trying to negotiate for his camera back. It's not immediately clear whether he is in big trouble, like being arrested trouble, or Mm -hmm. more like, you got on my nerves too much, your camera is evidence, scram kid. I want to like catch his eye and kind of wait for him on the outskirts if he's wrapping up his conversation. After a few minutes, but probably longer than you would expect of him trying to persuade Detective Galvan to get his camera back, he eventually heads back to the car to meet you and Constance and says... They can't take my camera. That's that's bullshit, man. They can't just confiscate it as evidence. There's no crime. It's not a crime to take pictures of a crime scene. Like, obviously, there's a crime, but they're not even investigating it. Who's going to report the truth? Wait, what do you mean they're not investigating it? Well, they're too busy trying to confiscate my camera and arrest all of us and oh, okay. deter us from uncovering yeah, t- what's actually going on here. Like, they don't care about what actually yeah. killed this person. They don't They don't want anyone to know that there's a criminal element in a firmament that would ruin their nice town. No. Yeah, I mean, they, they took the other one, too. They took the other camera, too? Yep. Oh, it's as good as gone. <laughs> I wouldn't um, bet on getting that other camera back. Yeah, I saw Chief Stoney drop it. He gets pretty emotional at that. Says, you, he, he destroyed my camera? You know, I, I work with the city. I'm sure we can get your main camera back tomorrow. Uh, let, let's focus on that positive. This day is an absolute disaster. Let's go. Shouldn't we just kind of like regroup? Just like talk about this? Leon looks at you and looks at Constance and looks at you. And then looks at Constance and asks, all right, like, do you have whiskey? Like, what's what's the drink situation? Because if I'm not getting one or both of my cameras back, I need a drink. I need to see your ID. How old are you again? How old are you? <laughs> I'm like 24. How old are you? I'm 22. How dare you? Okay. How <laughs> dare you, madam? And Leon gets you in know, the car and turns it, it on and then waits for the two of you to get in. <laughs> <laughs> he is of age right i'm not gonna get in trouble for that now too yeah i mean i just i just turned 21 and he's he's a year my senior okay all right let me take these children back to my apartment <laughs> to my studio yeah You're let's like go three years older than us it makes a difference at this age let's just get in the car let's, I, I i need to draw this before it fades from my memory something is not right here okay The two of you get into Leon's car and you head back to Constance's loft. JR, you no longer have a place to stay. You are trudging away from the timeshare where you were staying. Where are you headed? Where is the timeshare relative to downtown area? There's kind of a commercial downtown, but there's also like the old town, which has the like historic downtown and Main Street. And the timeshare is definitely closer to historic downtown. Okay. So you're not far from that, um, which is where Riverside Park is. It's where City Hall is. It's where the Visitors Bureau is. At some point, I think we're going to want a, a map. We're oh, working we're on working it. Yeah, you we got are. some stuff planned. Perfect. Stay tuned. All right. Subscribe and rate five stars. Five stars for maps. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm going down towards kind of the historical area, sort of trying to get my bearings a bit. I'm not totally sure where I need to be going. I can't, like, I don't really want to go break into another timeshare. 
it's been kind of a stressful evening, you know. I imagine JR has never had like a, or for a long time certainly has likely not had a, a permanent home, but yeah. I imagine the experience of being sort of dislocated like this is a bit disorienting. Yeah, and even though, yeah, there's not really home base for JR, it's still like every single time you have to uproot is, is a hassle. You know, so she's she's doing what, what all of us do when we're avoiding the task at hand, which would be finding permanent residence, and she's on social media. Does JR have a Twitter account, or is JR just, like, ghosting on Twitter, like, reading the tweets? I mean, she has an account, but she doesn't have any followers. She doesn't follow anybody. It's just- She doesn't tweet. No, she does not tweet. So you're reading through these tweets, and a peculiar one catches your eye. It's by a guy named Leon. Oh, what's Leon's Twitter handle? Ooh. What's Leon's last name? Did we ever give Leon the last name? Uh, I gave him a last name. Oh, Leon Williams. Leon Williams. Okay, let's see. Tio, Tio what's yours? <laughs> oh, uh, this is for all the uh, Steven Universe fans out there. Uh, keep Firmament Weird. It's off of the Keep Beach City well, Weird. Which is also a playoff of Keep Austin Weird. Which is also a playoff of Keep Tahoe Weird. Anyway, yes, it <laughs> keep goes everything on and weird. on down the road. <laughs> keep, keep, keep everything weird. weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're weird. <laughs> okay. LWW underscore the truth is out there underscore firmament. That's far too many characters for twi- for a Twitter handle. Uh let's see. At LW Truth. <laughs> oh wait. Are you guys ready? Alright, Quinn. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. The Leonati. Oh, oh sick. That's it right there. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. I hate Leon. I'm so <laughs> upset that I'm bringing Leon to my house. I imagine that Leon would have literally dropped a pin on my actual apartment with no concept of consent from me and would have given it a, like a fun name about like how this is like headquarters for like the, you know, truth tellers or something. I think Leon actually just always has like location services and pin drop on because like he reports live from a lot of scenes, and so he just, like... Oh, he forgot to turn Yeah, it so he just always has it on. Oh, okay, that makes sense, yeah. He also plays a lot of Pokemon Go, so I think he just always has his GPS <laughs> yes. on. Like, a uh, lot of Pokemon He definitely plays Go. a lot of Pokemon Go. I love Go, that. For sure. So you're scoping out the, the Twitterverse, just, I think, a little absentmindedly, almost, as well yep. as a reflex. And uh, you come across a tweet by Leonati. <laughs> It's real good. The the profile, <laughs> if you choose to examine it, reads Leon Williams, truth teller at the Jackalope. Ugh. Truth sayer. Oh, God. <laughs> does it also say I write things on his Twitter bio? No. Of course it does. <laughs> it does. I like coffee. Oh, oh thank oh. God. <laughs> oh. And you see a tweet from Leonati saying, murder outside the prospector, camera confiscated, ask the firmament police for truth. Hold up with... Constance and Alvin, do you have Twitter handles? Definitely not. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alvin probably does. It's a very low, low use account. It probably had a bunch of tweets two years ago. Um, and hasn't What's the handle? Since the the handle is Captain Colorado. Oh boy. Yes. Okay. So this this tweet from Leonardi says, "Hold up with Captain Colorado and hashtag Weird Art Girl." <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill him later, but anyway. When you realize what Twitter is. Well, I used to have an art Twitter, and then no one would repost my stuff, so I got off of it, but said that it's because social media is a waste of time. That's a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so you're reading this tweet, and you actually see that there is a location attached to this tweet. And as best as you can tell, it's a studio apartment in the this sort of industrial chic part of town. It's actually not far from the prospector, and it's not far from you. What do you do? Well, I'm going to head towards where this studio is located. It doesn't take you too long to get there. And you arrive at uh, a small, trendy, bohemian loft. It's got sort of an industrial vibe to it. And you approach the door, and there doesn't appear to be a doorbell but there is a an old-fashioned knocker, and you give it three swift clangs. 
and uh, the door opens and a trio of young, slightly post-college students opens the door. And you can see in the background, there are a few pieces of canvas. One of them, significantly better than the others, is depicting... <laughs> is depicting the scene that you fled from. Earl, dead in the street. I look at them. I look at the paintings. I squint my eyes. I point at it and I go, I know who that is. <laughs>